Well, morning, folks. Well, two uh, middle-aged couples were uh, enjoying a friendly conversation with one another when one of the men uh, leaned over to the other and asked, Hey, Fred, how was the memory clinic that uh, you went to last month? And Fred replied, It was outstanding. They taught us all the newest techniques, visualization and association, and so on and so forth. It was fantastic, and I haven't had a problem since. Sounds like something I could use, said the other man. What was the name of the clinic? And at that question, Fred went blank. He thought and he thought, but he couldn't remember. And then a smile broke out across his face. And he asked the man, what, what do you call that flower? You, the, the flower with the long stem and the thorns on it? You mean a rose, said the other man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he turned to his wife and he said, hey, Rose, what was the name of that clinic? <laughs> Well, friends, maybe your memory is as bad as Fred's is this morning. And if it is, here's what I'd like to do to get us rolling this morning. I want to take just a few minutes to refresh our memories, because this morning we're jumping back into the Gospel of Matthew. And I want us just to be reminded as to what we've seen thus far, the major movements in the book, and then preview what we're going to be starting this morning in chapter 10. So, uh, if you see the outline behind me, the, the, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the first major chapter is found in chapters 1 through 4. If you recall, we called it the person of the king. Because in these early chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, we learn about Jesus' early life, of course his birth, and then his early ministry. And in this section, Matthew gives us Uh, many arguments and evidences as to why Jesus really is the King of Kings, why He is the King of Israel. Starting in chapters 1 and 2 in His genealogy, we see that Jesus is legally qualified to be King. In His virgin birth, we see that He is physically qualified to be King. He is fully human. And yet, in the worship that He received by the Magi, we see that He's spiritually qualified to be the King. He is uh, nothing less than God incarnate. As we move into chapters 3 and 4, we see further evidence of his qualifications to be king. He is identified as as the king, remember, by John the Baptist, his prophetic ministry. He is also identified as king by God the Father himself, by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. We see that he defeats Satan's temptations in the desert, and we see him preach the message of the arrival of the kingdom of God. He is the king of that kingdom. We see him calling disciples unto himself. And we see the beginning of a ministry full of miracles and demonic deliverance. So we see in these early chapters in the gospel, the person of the king. Then in chapters 5 through 7, we saw the platform of the king, better known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this long sermon, we get about 10 sort of short, condensed, many messages. And in this section, Jesus answers the question, what does the Christian life look like? In other words, what is expected of a person who is a follower of the king? And we get about 10 many messages answering that question. Most recently, in chapters 8 through 10, we saw the power of the king on full display. It was highlighted. We saw his miracles focused on in this section, and we saw his mission focused on in this section. Here, Matthew authenticates Jesus' office as king and his offer of the kingdom through a collection of ten miracles. So we got ten mini-messages 
in the platform. And then we saw ten miracles. We saw Jesus' power on display. His power over defilement. He heals the leper. His power even over distance. Remember, he healed the centurion's servant at a distance. We saw his power over his would-be disciples. We saw his power over disaster. The, The storm raged, and yet he calmed the storm. We saw his power over demons. Remember, the two demon-possessed men, Jesus drove the demons out. We saw his power even over human depravity. He heals the paralytic. Remember what he said to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. We saw that he has power over disdain. He takes on the Pharisees, and he answers the concerns of the disciples of John the Baptist. Friends, we even saw that this king has power even over death itself. He raises up Jairus' daughter. And then we saw his power over doubt. Two blind men are healed, and yet the religious leaders even doubt who he is. So we've seen the person of the king. We've seen the the platform of the king. We've seen the power of the king. And now as we jump into the fourth major section in Matthew's gospel, we will see the parables of the king. Chapters 10 through 13. The parables of the king. Now in this section, we're going to see increasing rejection of Jesus. There's going to be hostility. There's going to be an exchange of words. The hostility and the rejection of King Jesus will be on the rise. And as the religious leaders begin to reject Jesus as their king, how is he going to respond? Well, he's going to respond by giving more revelation about the nature of the kingdom of God that he is offering. So in chapters 10 and 11, we'll see the king is going to be resisted. And then in chapter 13, we will see the king's response, the king's response. So, this morning, what I'd like for us to do is watch this video, uh, reminding us that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and then I'll ask you to stand and we'll sing songs to Jesus, our King. Let's watch together. 